Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Man on the Post Extra Time. Uh, I'm Chris. With me, I've got Emma. Hello. I've got Mark. Hello. And I've got Laura. Hello. So this week we'll be rounding up uh, some odds and ends from the end of the, the season. We've got the Championship playoffs. We've got an FA Cup final preview. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the World Cup squads, and then we've got some end of season awards. So. Emma and Laura are in their posh rocks and Mark's in his DJ. Um, and we're all strolling down the red carpet. So we'll get on and uh, we'll see how we go. So first of all, we've got the predictions. Now, week on week, myself, Emma and Mark, we uh, go through the Premier League fixtures upcoming and we predict who we think will win each one. We all win, lose or draw. And we get a point for each correct one. I'm way back. Uh, I'm not even anywhere close. But we have a very, very tight... Uh, or very, very close from the thing for first position. So one of you has got 91 points, one of you has got 88 points, and the winner, after a little drum roll, is Mark. Congratulations. Emma's tactic of agreeing with every single prediction Mark made last week didn't work out. (laughs) They were all right in the end, weren't they? Well, most of them were, yeah. If I'd gone against him, I would have I'd like to thank God and the baby Jesus... (laughs) <laughs> and uh, my my agent for this award. Yeah, yeah. Graeme Sharp. Are you gonna cry? Do a Gwyneth. I promised myself I wouldn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. There's always next year, Emma. Certainly. Is. Everybody needs a second place at some point. <laughs> uh, right. So, championship playoffs on Monday. QPR beat Wigan two one. Uh, James Perch opened the scoring for Wigan, but then the, the legend is Charlie Austin scored two. QPR in the final against Derby. Um, has anybody paid any attention or care about this whatsoever, apart from me? I was disappointed for Wigan. Why? Because I thought they made the biggest surge towards the end of the season and were playing well, and QPR have got the biggest squad. Should have absolutely romped away with this league and have not shown the slightest bit of interest. So I thought out of the two, Wigan deserved it more. I think the players have shown more interest than the manager, to be fair. Mm, debatable at times. Do you think? Well, QPR play mm. won the Europa League last night. Stephen and Bayer on loan at Seville. Mm. So who's curse struck again for Benfica? Did anybody see that? <laughs> Poor old Benfica. That's eight in a row they've lost now, isn't it, since they were cursed? Mm. So it was a good game. Did you watch it? No, I didn't see it. No? Well, for it... It's got 48 years to go till the curse runs out. <laughs> Not long. Mm. Uh, for well, for a nil-nil, it was very good. Um, but the penalties were awful. Did anybody see any of the penalties? No, I'd given up by that point. Really? What point did you give up? Oh, I was tired, and it got into the extra time, and I just I knew because of this whole curse, and it just you just knew. To me personally, I just didn't see the point in. I've seen them since. They were awful penalties, weren't they? They were, yeah. Never ever shuffle. You just run and kick it. I speak from a man who's missing three penalty shootouts as well. So I'm perhaps not one to, to say. But for a nil-nil, I didn't think it was that bad a game. I can't comment, I'm afraid. No, I was hoping Emma was. Mm. <laughs> Maybe not. OK, uh, so playoff, championship final playoff is Derby QPR. So do people have any opinions on that at all? Who do you think is going to win? I think, obviously, my heart is saying QPR. I think my head might say Derby there. It seems Derby have come into form, or oh, they're holding the form better than in, in any of the other teams who came into the playoffs. Wigan kind of, I think they shot their bolt a bit early. QPR are a bit stuttery. Brighton were lucky to get in there in the first place, but Derby are the ones probably who, over the whole season, have, I would say have deserved to do it. And I watched them against Brighton in the second leg, and they looked the most likely to me. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't mind another Midlands team being in the Premier League, but I would... Dearly love QPR to get back in. I mean, they need to get back in, if anything else, for the, the current wage structure they've got. 
like I say, Stephen Mbaya was playing Europa League football. He's on loan. Luke Remy's on loan. Granero and people like that are all on loan. So we need some kind of revenue stream rolling in. But if if you went up, would you want to just recall those players and do it again with the same players? Wouldn't you still want to offload them and bring other people in? Because if they weren't good enough first time around, what's going to be good enough about them second time? No, you're right. I think, well, Jason Park's retired, so he's gone. Um... I do like Granero as a player. Granero is a fantastic footballer. I'm willing to give him a second chance. And Bayer, I don't think he didn't do anything when he was with us the first time around. But I was of all of them, I was most disappointed by Granero because of his talent and the fact that he wasn't one of these sort of older players coming for one last payday. So I'd I'd give him another go. FA Cup final this weekend: Arsenal versus Hull. This is nine years of hurt that Arsenal Wenger is trying to eradicate. Is this going to be another uh, Oberfemi Martins moment, do you think? Or are they going to finally break that monkey on their back? Can you break that monkey on the back? <laughs> <laughs> Mixing your metaphors there, love. True, isn't it? <laughs> Never punch a gift horse in the mouth. That's another one. Well, that's kind of a metaphor. That's kind of what I meant, I suppose. It's the splicing of two. Yeah. Mm. Can he get that monkey off his back? It's got to be their year, hasn't it? You've got to say, <laughs> this has got to be their year. There's no better chance for them. It is a lot of schadenfreude fun, though, to watch it not be their year. I don't, it'd, be nice I don't to, it'd be nice to see Hull win it, wouldn't it? Yeah. But uh, the problem for Hull is, OK, they've got, they're going to have... Uh, um, they're going to be without Jelovic and Long, who mm. are cup-tied. And in the last few weeks, in particular, I think they've done all right up until the last till they'd actually got to the final. But the last few weeks, the rest of them... They don't seem to have put themselves into any form going into the final mm. to give themselves any confidence. Or whereas Arsenal are kind of kind of the opposite. You know, they got Ramsey back and they look kind of like the team they were in the first half of the season. So nothing points to Hull winning it. Mm. But at the same time, it's an FA Cup final. It's the game of their lives for for most of them. So uh, to to me, as a neutral, I don't care who wins. I just want it to be a classic cup final because we don't seem to get those anymore really or not very often no we've not had form for a, a few years have we maybe two thousand well i don't want to show my bias again but 2006 liverpool west ham might have been one of the last ones that, that game won me over 300 quid i put a tenner on three 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 draw so i actually cheered when steven gerrard scored that uh, equalizer did you are you won 300 quid yeah oh there you go did you not feel a bit dirty yeah. spending it knowing that steven gerrard had won it for you <laughs> I did. I got, I got the, the money cushioned the blow. Let's put it that way. Oh, good. Well, um, if Arsenal lose this, what do you think to Arsenal Wenger? What do you think his future is if they lose? I think he'll go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't think they'll sack him. No, no, no. I think he'll retire. Mm. I think he'll, he'll. Surely it gets to a point where he will have just had enough. He realizes that. I think he's. His philosophy would come to the point where he realises that they need something different and he's got a lot of other stuff going on and he is getting old like, I think it will be time for him to go, even if they win it I would I would say probably he'd stay for one more season and then retire anyway mm. Do you think he'll move upstairs like to a director of football or do you think he'll just pack it in altogether? I, I, with Arsenal I think he'll pack it in altogether Yeah I can't see him being a director of football having somebody else do differently what he's done the same way for the last 18 years mm. I think that would be quite difficult for him to see especially if they don't do as well or be as successful say goodbye to a few faces in the Premier League this week Tactics Tim Emma's friend has been sacked from Spurs Pepe Mel's left West Brom and Rio Ferdinand has left Manchester United as well are any of you sorry to see any of them go all, all, three mm. all three were on the cards all three were on the cards yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, they definitely were, I think. I mean, but who are those, or who have, not just these three, but if anybody that's gone this week, are you sorry to see go? Not sorry to see any of them go. No? <laughs> they have no influence over my life whatsoever. <laughs> well, okay, right, fair enough. <laughs> I suppose Tim's quite entertaining with his sad little supply teacher story. Yeah, and getting his friends out to manage the team for him. And getting Pepe people out of the crowd to Yeah. Pepe Mel was in trouble from the day he walked into that job, not being allowed to bring his own coaching staff in and have to work with the setup as it is. And 
and Rio Ferdinand, his legs have gone, or his back, whatever you want to pick out as his problem. They went about two years ago, so he's been a part-timer for the last couple of seasons. Mm. No, no, no big loss to Man United or the Premier League. Well, it depends. I don't know. Has he said what he's doing? Is he going to pack in, or is he going to go find another club? Well, they talk about him going to America, don't they? You know, people like him who have been earning the, the six-figure sums for the last decade or whatever uh, every week. With a, with a body that's fallen to bits, why why would he bother? Go and go and do his record label or whatever clothing line and all the rest of it. Just pack in playing football. There's no need for you to go and squeeze a bit of extra cash out the MLS and you know and embarrass yourself, which is what I think would happen. Mm. He's doing the World Cup, BBC World Cup commentary, isn't he? So is he? He's doing a bit of punditry. Oh, oh Jesus! So. Can't wait for that. Can't wait for that um, insight. The rear third on one side, Andy Townsend on the other. Yeah, but they're making up for it from the fact that they've got Clarence Seedorf and um, Thierry Henry as well. So oh, Thierry Henry's a ghost. Since that um, Ireland goal, he's a he's a ghost. You don't love him anymore. No. I never lo- really loved him in the first place, but after he did that, then yeah. Oh, love that man. He's a cheat. I'm not a massive. I don't really mind cheating for the most part, but that was just. Li- <laughs> How can you possibly say oh, he's what? a cheat? And then absolutely worship Luis Suarez. Oh, because that's, that's all pantomime, what he does. I mean, that's just harmless fun. But that was just <laughs> denying a team its rightful place in the World Cup by absolutely grossly just... Oh, it was awful. I'm not... Was that harmless, harmless fun or armless fun? But I'm bummed. in there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I'm not a big Thierry Henry fan. Unfortunately, since then. You're wrong, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And Dennis Bergkamp refused my sister an autograph once. Maybe it's an Arsenal thing. Maybe. Maybe. It was, it's a bitterness from that. Um, some of the World Cup teams have announced their squads this week. Some have just gone to a straight 23 with a standby 7 like we've done. Others have gone for a 30 and we'll reduce that down. Sami Nasri, Gail Clichy, Carlos Tevez, Roberto Saldada, Kaká, Rubinho and Ashley Cole are just some of the names that won't be there. Some big names being left out, although there are some great players in. Um, my personal favourite, Ricardo Quaresma, will be there. Uh, Giuseppe Rossi, back from yet another injury layoff, will be there. So it's always great to see him. I mean, he was out for about two years, wasn't he? Uh, came back and was injured again on his comeback game, I think, and has been out since. So it's a good, good to see him there. And Croissant Munching Antonio Cassano will be um, in the Italy squad as well. So, some surprising names left out, some surprising but welcome names there. So, has anybody seen any of the sort of foreign squads? I saw the uh, American team. That's the only one I've seen so far. And what did you think of that? Not many shocks, to be not honest. No? No. no. There's, not, there's not masses that Klinsman can can choose from really no john hawks anymore no john hawks no. no um what do you think about the england squad uh, luke shaw's in ahead of ashley cole is that a wise choice i, I think, think the clamor for cole has only grown has only grown because of the, he's played three or four good games recently but um i think as I, I tweeted to somebody that he's been on the bench all season so he's got he's got no excuse not to come in and look fresh and play well um and if he can't get ahead of a right back to play at left back at Chelsea, then you know Shaw looks like a hell of a talent that we should take him along right now because you know I think Leighton Baines is a great player, but if Shaw develops as he as he should he, within before the next Euros, he could take the left back spot away from Baines. Leighton Baines gets injured in the first warm up session for England. We've got Luke Shaw as our only left back. Would it not have been wiser to take Ashley Cole so you've got someone with multiple tournament experience? He's not a bad player, Ashley Cole. I mean, he's, he can still do a job. I, I sure looks the type physically and mentally that could would step in and probably wouldn't let anybody down. Yeah. He's got Glenn, Glenn Johnson's on the other side of the defence. We've got more to worry about than our left-back <laughs> position. <laughs> Poor Glenn. Oh, totally agree. <laughs> uh, we all happy to see Ross Barkley in the squad. He's earned his place. He certainly has, hasn't he? Could you see him starting? Um, no. No? No. Will be good experience. Yeah. Shaping for the future tournaments. You think this is more a sort of see what a tournament's like and watch and learn so he's ready for the next sort of next coming years? 
Yeah, this is the perfect World Cup to do it in, in that there's no expectation on us. Let's get our younger lads out there, show them what a tournament experience is like, and hope for the best. Yeah. No Michael Carrick either. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, he's on the standby list, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. Um. Only five of this team, or five of this squad are over 30, and only six have been to a World Cup before, so it's definitely looking to the future, isn't it? Yeah, and what happened is we had uh, the whole of the first decade of of this millennium, we basically had the same 16 to 18 players for almost a decade. So it was very difficult for anybody to break into that squad of Beckham, Lampard, Gerrard, Ferdinand, Terry, etc. So that's why we, we potentially got less with tournament experience going into it. But again, lack of expectation, It's I don't see it as a disadvantage not having uh, a ton of players who've been to multiple World Cups and so on. No, it's probably not a bad thing. What do you all think we're going to do? Anyone think we're going to get as far as the group stage and that's it? Personally, I think it, it, depends, on, it, it depends on how well Suarez plays in those group games because I think Italy will go through. Uh, they'll probably be the dark horse of the tournament. Um, and then it's probably down to how well Uruguay show up because, you know, they're a good all-round team, but the difference for them will be Suarez. Mm. And if, he, if 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 he's closed down in the two big games against us in Italy, then we might sneak through. But anything beyond the... F- I think getting to the first knockout stage would be not an achievement, but I think that's about... I think it's about the best we could record. OK. What did you, what did you say, Emma? Sorry. Yeah, no, I think realistically... It- it's down to Suarez, and there's no like, uh, like we said, there's no there's no pressure on England this year, which I think might help them. But I don't think that's going to be enough to spur them on to do something impressive. I think they'll sort of still limp out at a rather measly stage. I haven't seen any plastic flags hanging out of cars yet. Normally, there's quite a few of those. <laughs> Flag wankers. Flag wankers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't get so many down here. People normally wearing even sort of some peering Cornish flags out of their window. So <laughs> it's normally a little bit different. Um, I would hate to think that we're playing Italy, trying to get through to the next round, or relying on playing Italy to get through the next round, and we've got to play Cassano and Rossi. I'd hate us to, to beat them and send those two home. That first match against Italy is going to be a turgid affair, I imagine. We're playing in Manaus at the height, at the height of the humidity. It'll be the first game. It'll be really cagey. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a draw. I can't see us bombing forward and trying to score loads of goals, can you? No. Italy are notoriously slow starters. I don't. I don't think. Mm. I think they take a draw straight away. Get a point on the board, and then they can push on against Uruguay and Costa Rica. So, yeah, I, I, I fully expect that game to be a draw. Well, we held our own in Euro 2012. It's not as if we were sort of gripping on against them, were we? We did okay against them. No, but we were we were really just we were not hanging on, but we never we never put any uh, effort into getting out of our own half in that game either. No, no, I suppose so. Um, okay, so that's the England squad done. So now we come to. I was going to do a fanfare, but I don't think I will. Uh, our end of end of season awards. So what I've done, I've, this is all basically just come out of my own head, to be honest. So I've come up with some categories. Um, we'll go through those one by one, and each category is for nominees and then we'll have a little chat between ourselves and um, decide that the Liverpool player is the winner does that sound right (laughs) does it matter what we say you're going to still pick the Liverpool winner even if we say it's not going to be someone else to be fair I've tried to be as um, as sort of spread this as wide as I can I didn't know whether to go just for Premier League but then I thought you know there's more to the world than the Premier League plus Laura's on and she'll complain if we don't have anything from lower down uh, so I'm trying to be a bit European and a bit sort of lower league as well so player of the year first of all these are all Premier League players so our nominees are Luis Suarez Yaya Torre Eden Hazard and I went for Gary Cahill because the other three I thought would go for someone a bit more defensive minded and he's the best defender I could think of that wasn't John Terry has anyone got any initial thoughts on that or has anyone got any of their own that want to add in um, you could have put Aaron Ramsey in there had he not been injured I know that's a well that's why I didn't yeah but Aguero could have gone in. Same reason. I'm surprised. Like, I'm surprised. Surprised by your choice of Cahill, but um, I think I thought it was a bit of an overbias of forwards. 
or attacking players, and I wanted one a bit more defensively minded. And I want and I thought he's probably been the best out of everybody. Like I say, I'm not having John Terry on any list I make, so I thought <laughs> <laughs> I thought he'd be the next best one. I thought. So we're picking the player of the year as long as you like them. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yeah, go on. You can you can come on. You can make a case for John Terry if you want to. You can't. For whatever person John Terry is, he's still a fantastic defender. I think he's he's proved that this season with Gary Cahill. They've been immense this season. No doubts about it. Yeah. So you'd have put Terry in that list ahead of Cahill, would you? Well, I think equally. They've been equally as good this season. That whole back four for, um, for Chelsea, whatever you think about the tactics of parking the bus, they have been defensively wonderful this season. Mm. I don't have a problem with bus parking, to be honest. You do what you do to win, don't you? I would have had Seamus Coleman in all of these categories, and oh, I forgot about him. Would, to be honest, he would have he would have won with absolute uh, an absolute landslide. Yeah, for young player of the year, I've got the four listed, and then I put in Luke Shaw in brackets because like, someone reminded me at work that I've not put him in. So yeah, we can have we can talk about Seamus Coleman in the next one if you want to. Well, well, he's not really young. He's about twenty five. Oh right, okay. Well, he can't go in there because. Young player of the year made sure they're all under 21. So, okay, you can... Okay, so you want him in this list here for player of the year, do you? Yeah, and he can go in young player of the year because of his baby face good looks. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Okay, so you've got... You've, you've kind of sort of thrown the flank for a sort of... Cahill and John Terry. You've gone Seamus Coleman. What do you think, Emma, of everybody you've seen so far? I know we discussed it last week on the podcast, but I still agree with that point that... Um, as much as Suarez has been the headline grabber of this season as a whole team effort, Yaya Toure, I think personally, is the player of the year. Yeah, I had a big think about this last week after last week's pod, and I think I agree with you. I don't think City would have won the league without Yaya Toure. But on the flip side, would Liverpool have been in the Champions League without Suarez? in the Champions League places and challenging for the title right up until the last day. Um, were they even anywhere close? No, they wouldn't. Well, I think they would have had somebody else instead of Suarez. So you imagine if they got the 40 million quid at the start of the season from Arsenal, they'd have bought somebody. Sturridge may have got more goals. I think they could have been pushing for fourth, definitely. Mm, I'm, I'm not so sure. I think Suarez is huge for that team. Not just the goals. Everything he does impacts that team. You take him out of that team and... and I wouldn't. I wouldn't fancy them to finish in the Champions League places if he wasn't playing for them. Now you see, so Soconomics says sell Suarez right now because he's. If he was worth forty million last season, is he worth anywhere near Gareth Bale sums of money at the end of this season? They're talking about seventy million, aren't they? Yeah. So. Simon Cooper would sell, sell him. Would say sell him. But then Spurs did that, didn't they? And look what they ended up with. That's true. That's true, I suppose. They they bought supposedly not as good a players, but very high standard players across an entire squad. Mm. And have only made it to Europa uh, League, where they were expecting to sort of go a step higher and go into Champions League. So... And that's what would happen to Liverpool. That's what would happen to Liverpool next season if they sell if they sell Suarez. Do you think? Mm, no doubt about it. Okay, so go back to our list then. The four we've got: Suarez, Torre, Hazard, Cahill. Me and Emma are going to go for Yaya Torre. You still think Seamus Coleman has been the best player of the league? Well, my heart says yes, but I think of the serious contenders, I think you've got to choose Suarez. He's just. You know, week on week, he's been... Not that Torre hasn't, but I think just Suarez has been amazing for Liverpool this season. Mm. What about, uh, and I think I would just pick him over Torre. OK, what about you, Laura? You go for Gary Cahill. As, as, as much as it pains me, uh, I think it's. I think Suarez is the choice this season. So we've got a split vote. Sadly, neither Yayo nor Lewis could be here with us this evening to collect their award. <laughs> uh so we'll have to. You collect it on their behalf. I'll collect it on their behalf. So we've got a joint one then. So we've got Luis Suarez and Yaya Torre as, as we couldn't split between them, which I think is probably fair enough because I think if you read a lot of Twitter and I think if you read a lot of newspaper columns, I think most people are kind of split between the two of them, aren't they? Mm. 
Um, now, the next one is Young Player of the Year. Now, for this one, I tried to make sure that the players were under 21, according to Wikipedia. Uh, so I went for nominees. I went for Ross Barkley, Raheem Sterling, Romano Lukaku, uh, Adnan Yanazai, although somebody at work today said I also forgot Luke Shaw. So mm-hmm. we can include him if you want to. So the two Everton players there, Mark. Are you split between the two of them? Um, Lukaku had a good spell earlier in the season, but then dropped off dramatically after Christmas. Um, and and Barkley was just a little, for me when he was on form, he looked like the new Gaza. You know, he's, he's exactly that type of player, um, and he was brilliant on his day. And again, had spells where he was brilliant, but there were other spells where he looked lacking confidence, lacking fitness, and and his decision making still needs brushing up. So, if I had to choose one. I'd pick Barkley just because when he was on song, he was superb. But I wouldn't pick either of them as the winner of this category. Who would you go for as the winner of this category then? Um, I'm probably going to wait till you guys have made your choice. But I think it would be between Sterling and Shaw because of their consistency over the season. Okay. okay. Emma, what do you think? It does pain me greatly to say it, but I think Shaw just because... They, they've done, I mean, they've done great in the league overall. Their defence at the start of the season was absolutely incredible. And I think he, despite what we, you know, back to he's a young player, the fact, you know, what you said about him going to England, is he good enough? Well, he's, you know, he's been consistent all season, more so than I would think any other, especially young player, mm. and especially in that category. Well, they think he's off to United for 27 million, don't they? I, yeah, I can't see, I can't. I can't see Saints holding on to many of their players, especially ones that they can get £27 million for yeah. when their owner does seem to have pounds and signs flashing in her eyes. So, Okay, so you're going to go Luke Shaw. What do you think, Laura, who's, of all those who grabbed you? Nobody making a case for Janet Jazz Jazz Jam. Go <laughs> <laughs> well, then you make one. No. <laughs> well, I, in that team, he's Sean this season really hasn't he he's um, he is a fantastic young player but he's not had a consistent period in the team so it's difficult to know how good he can be mm. um, so he's not he's not going to be young player of the year he's he's just got the potential to be uh, a linchpin for Man U in the future if they keep hold of him of course yeah so is he your vote on this list or have you got somebody else you think no I think for consistency purposes um, I, I'm, I'm with Emma I think Luke Shaw's been playing well all season he's shown maturity beyond his years and he's been rewarded with a place in the England squad so you can't really say much more than that okay um I'm going to surprise you all by going for Raheem Sterling. <laughs> Shock. Shock horror. Well, he used to play for QPR and now he's at uh, Liverpool. So, you know, that's both my bases right. covered. My mind's made up. I'm going to go for sure. Sods. A lot of you. Well, <laughs> if, you know, if the season had been another two months longer, I would have put John Stones on the list mm. of nominees, definitely. I don't think he would have won it, but again, look at him. The guy, the guy was playing for Barnsley this or just over a year ago and wasn't and thanks to an injury to Jagielka just after Christmas well not even Christmas it was February or March you know wasn't even a, he was just sitting a bit on the bench at Everton getting a bit of experience and then all of a sudden comes in and he's on the um, the standby list for the England squad so shows you what can be done when when good players good English young players are given a chance Danny Surrey spanked his ass in the derby didn't he I think I could have that that game. They were all awful. It wasn't just stones. No. Okay, fair enough. Right, well, okay. Democracy, I suppose. So, somebody wasn't even on the list till lunchtime until someone happened to glance over my shoulder. Wins it. Luke Shaw is our young player of the year. Manager of the year. Four nominees for this is Brendan Rodgers, Tony Pulis, um, Sean Dyche, and Mark Warburton, the Brentford manager. They want to make a case for any of these. One, you're a... You're a well, you're both lovely, aren't you, Emma and Laura? Who's your votes here? Well, can I make a case for Ross Wilcox at Scunthorpe? Um, you can. They broke the Football League world record for 29 games unbeaten this season and won the league. Oh, well, there you go. 
They play good football. Who, 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 who held that record, Chris? Who held it? Um, Before Scunthorpe? Um, 29 games, what, sorry? 29 games unbeaten, consecutively unbeaten. Uh, Preston. Preston, I was just going to say Preston. In 1888 or something like what that. about Arsenal? Ten years ago, the Invincibles. That's the Premier League. That's football, yeah. This is football. No, I'm sure I remember watching football before 1992 on Sky TV. Is that not the same? No, football didn't exist before then. Didn't it? <laughs> He's such a plastic fan. That's what the Chelsea fan at work next to, next week thinks. He thinks that Rupert Murdoch invented football. <laughs> um, so you're going to make a case for what's his name? Russ Wilcox. Russ Wilcox, sorry. Russ Abbott. Russ Abbott. <laughs> okay. Well, you think, I mean, the reason I put Mark Warburton on there, he's, he's not really a manager, is he? I mean, he had a very short playing career, ended by injury, and he's done a bit of coaching and a bit of sort of backroom work, hasn't he? Um, and after... He makes good bread. And what, sorry? He makes good he makes, bread. I <laughs> said he's into bread, sorry. He makes good bread. He does. Um, and, yeah, with what happened last year with Brentford not going up in the circumstances they were in, I thought he would be quite a good shout. It's, it's, yeah, he's done a good job, but it's all Uwe Rossler's team, so... He's kind of had a good, very good basis. Okay. Sean Dyche? He's only spent money on one player this year. Mm. And sold Charlie Austin. He did it all without him. He'd be my choice, Sean Dyche. Yeah? Yeah. You're going for... Who? Laura? Russ Wilcox. Russ Wilcox, okay, yeah. Okay, well, you've probably seen Russ Wilcox. What do you think? I would probably still go for Pulis, purely on the fact that at Christmas everyone thought Palace were dead and buried and gone and everyone wrote them off mm. completely. And he came in and has changed that team into a, a team that as you found out, is actually, you know, they're feared. And so they should be the way they've been playing. Well, anyone that can get the best out of Marin Schmack as well. Exactly. So, yeah, I'd have to say Pulis. You're saying Pulis. Uh, You're saying Sean Dyche. Laura, you're trying to be all John Peel on us and go for someone that no one's ever heard of. (laughs) For the hipster vote. (laughs) Um, I was stuck between Sean Dyche and Mark Warburton, to be honest. I was stuck between the two of them because I think I think well, I was probably more leaning towards more Sean Dyche because I don't think anybody expected Brentford to be uh, Burnley to be anywhere even near the the playoffs, let alone be promoted automatically as well. I think if I was picking for the from the list of of the resources that that those managers have had, Sean Dyche would would be my choice as well. Right, that's good enough for me then. So. We'll go for Sean. Sorry, Emma, we're going for Sean Dyche. He looks like a Viking as well, which I quite like. He sounds like one as well when he talks. <laughs> I think he will be the new most feared Premier League manager next season. Oh yeah, he would. He would be the one who would take everybody in a fight. More than Nigel <laughs> Pearson. Yes, oh, Nigel Pearson's quite hard actually, he is, isn't he? Mm, it's that bus cut. Yeah, that does. Who it. did we decide on the other week? It was Paul Lambert, wasn't it? We decided on the other week. Mm. So you. Well, who was that against though? That was against. Current Premier League managers. So now we've got Dyche and Pearson in there. Imagine a tag team with Dyche and Pearson. <laughs> like WWE. Against, yeah, against Pulis and Lambert. I think, who do you think would win that? I think um, Pearson and Sean Dyche would just it'd be a, a body slam fest, wouldn't it? I, think, <laughs> I can't wait for next year when there's some kind of beef between Dyche and Mourinho. Oh, God. That'll be good. I don't think Mourinho stands a chance. Uh, next category is goal of the year. Four categories for this are Yaya Torre's effort last weekend, where you think pretty much charged the length of the field, Jonah Lomu style. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo's back heel, or sort of bicycle, it wasn't even a bicycle kick, was it? It was off a back heel last week against Valladolid. Um, Kasami's impression of uh, Marco van Basten versus Crystal Palace for Fulham. And Jack Wilshere's goal, which is pretty much the whole Arsenal team getting involved in a pass, and, and it was very much a team effort, that goal, wasn't it? So um, I chose them for different reasons. I chose them sort of outrageous pieces of skill, team effort, and um, solo brilliance. So has anyone got a favourite from any of those they'd like to nominate? I was in a pub watching the Arsenal-Norwich match, and I was just about to get served when Wilshere scored his. And the noise from the Arsenal fans that were surrounding me was so orgasmic that you couldn't help but sort of get drawn in by it. 
because it was just such a beautiful goal, the way that they sort of tip-tapped it to each other. It was so fluid, just, it's a beautiful goal. Would you like to recreate that noise now? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're going to go for that one, are you? I think, I think for the for the build up and just for the deftness of the touches, yeah, I think. I mean, Ronaldo's goal is just awesomely, stupidly wonderful. Mm. The way that he backheeled it in, but then it's kind of expected of Ronaldo because that's just him. Whereas this was an entire team getting involved in the goal. So yeah, I think that would be my choice. Okay, Mark, what's your that all then? Um, do I have to choose from these four? Go on, what are you going to say? Is this something going in um, sort of Stephen Naismith's ear or something, is it? <laughs> well, I think, uh, well, I'm not, uh, whether you were just trying to do this out of impartiality, but I think, one of, I forget which one it is, but one of Suarez's goals against Norwich where, <clears throat> at, at Anfield earlier in the season where he, you know, he, he volleyed it in from 40-odd yards or something, I think would have been up there. In In context of what it did for him, I think Ross Barkley's goal against Manchester City Probably was a was a great goal. I nearly put that in, to be honest. Mm. And I think that actually secured his place in the squad. I think up to that point, he was maybe a 50-50 choice with somebody like Cleverly or Carrick or, you know, like I'm not sure Hodgson was totally sure whether to take him, but I think that goal in the context of Hodgson being there, running the rule over him, might have got him in the World Cup place. So I would have that there for that, for that reason. Mm. Um, I didn't... But I, I think, sorry, go on. I would have gone for the Suarez goal because I just think everybody was when they saw it, it was it was just like a well that that's just ridiculous and that's when he was at the absolute peak of his powers this season as well. So I think I would have gone for that one over the over the four that you've mentioned, but of the four you've mentioned, I probably would have gone for Kassam. Okay, I didn't pick the Suarez one on purpose because it kind of sat up nicely for him. If you can't. oh, but you still got to hit it right, you know. Yeah, you have, I suppose. But I, uh, you know, to get on the list, you've got to be ultra critical. I nearly did go for Barkley, to be honest, um, but I went for the Wilshire one instead. It was a nice move, and then the way he finished it was kind of almost exactly like the Rooney goal yeah. many, many years ago against Arsenal, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. What do you think? And which one's your favourite goal of the season? Um, I remember the one against Norwich that Mark's talking about, which was a great goal and it was I think that was the point where um, Suarez was almost unplayable and it was against Norwich <laughs> that doesn't that's that's not the point I'm done with Norwich now did you go last weekend you were going to go stand them yeah I did actually yeah did you get rotten tomatoes thrown at you no it was it was a really nice day out I'd never been to Carrow Road surprisingly <laughs> So it was a night. It was a really good day out. And have you changed your mind on Norwich? No, <laughs> no. I, I tell you what, I was most surprised at, and something that I haven't seen is that I, I think if you sort of did a not a survey, I don't know, an investigation, I don't know what you call it, into the crowd, Norwich must have one of the oldest crowds. Everyone seemed really sort of. Everyone's seen pensioners. Norfolk, where people go to die. I was sat really near the divide. I was sat really near the divide, and all you could see was white hair all the way through Carrow Road. <laughs> that, that's a genetic problem, Laura. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't comment on that. I live in Cornwall. <laughs> um, but back to the goal of the season. Purely because my personal preference is I always think team goals are more impressive because as much as you know as much as a 40 yard volley from uh, a volley from 40 yards out is impressive it's just one person doing it whereas i think when you've got a whole team working together i think that there's just something about it that always looks a lot more yeah impressive so i would go for the um Wilshire goal yeah you see i was going to go for kasami like Mark, because just just for the fact it's such an outrageous piece of skill, and to try and score the goal from where he was, um, and the fact that he not only did he sort of think I can do it from here, but the fact that he actually did, I thought was absolutely fantastic. But you made a good case for the Norwich goal, Emma. So should we go with that one? Is everybody happy with that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Jack Wilshere gets that one. Next one is game with you. Now this might be where my Liverpool bias might come into this one a little bit. I've gone for Liverpool three, Manchester City two. Uh, Crystal Palace 3, Liverpool 3, Everton 3, Liverpool 3. 
uh, or Reading 2, Burnley 2. Now, the reason I went for that Reading-Burnley one is because this was the last game of the season and the game was of such contrasting emotions because it was in tandem with... Um, God, who was it? Who came sixth in the end? It was Forest Brighton. Forest Brighton, that was it. Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, the game was in tandem with that and you can kind of see sort of... Reading fans going from happiness to despair all the way through the match, and at the end of the game, there were there were fans coming on the pitch convinced they got through to the playoffs, and then it turned out they didn't. So it was a very very sort of topsy turvy game. Um, anyone got a personal favourite out of these four? I think if I'm picking from that list, it would be the Palace Liverpool game, just purely because it was such a pivotal game of the season. And right, that's you muted. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the greatest game of the season was Sheffield Wednesday beating Leeds 6-0 at home. Oh, I'm happy to go with that, seeing as um, Ross is a... Um, <laughs> our overlord Ross is a I Leeds fan. That one out, Ross. <laughs> I'm happy to go with that. <laughs> uh, Mark and Emma, what's your favourites then? I think I'd have to say the same, actually, the Palace game, just for the comeback. You didn't see it come in, I think... Apart from every Liverpool fan, there was a part in all of us that wanted to see it happen. Especially when they got the one goal back, you, you thought it would. Mm. There was just something in the in the underdog believer of all of us that, that believed it could happen. Okay. Mark, with a heavy heart, I ask you. <laughs> well, I didn't see the good bit of the Crystal Palace-Liverpool game. I was watching Game of Thrones instead, so I missed it in real time. So I always think that that takes away something from it uh, although if I'd watched it I think I probably would have been had to have been taken away in an ambulance um, Everton v Liverpool the 3-3 if you remember it was just such a breathless game of attack 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 absolutely shoddy defending by both teams if you'd if that game had meant anything in the long in the long run I would have chosen that in a heartbeat because that was just such an amazing game that even though we dropped. We came from behind and then lost the the win in the last minute or whatever it was. I actually wasn't disappointed because the game was that good mm. and that entertaining. But I think for you know the 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 suspense and the Liverpool going out in front and then City coming back and then company making the mistake and and what everything that it's it set up for the last few weeks of the season. I think the Liverpool Man City game would take it. Because that, that set up how how the last few weeks of the season panned out, and for Liverpool fans, after that game, you probably ninety percent Liverpool fans thought it was on, thought that it was going to happen. Mm. Yeah, I remember. I remember. So theme. you like that game because it gave them false hope. You've seen right through me. <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot about you. I um yeah, I mean, I felt I remember feeling very relieved after the Everton Liverpool game, and I remember feeling about three feet in the air after Liverpool-Man City. So I'm going to go with that one, I think. So I think it's only... Are we all happy to share that one again? I think so. Although, I think just just because of the, for me, the impact, but the the actual, the, the game where, for me, like you thought your, your faith that was restored in football was the Everton-Liverpool game. But yeah. I'm happy to go with Liverpool City. All right, OK. Um, signing in the year. Um, well, I mean, this is quite... We'll rattle on through this one quite quickly. This is, I can't really... I don't really think of anybody else. We've got Lukaku, Jason Punchin, uh, Wilfred Boney and Christian Eriksen. I tried to do a couple of them on the cheap and a couple of the bigger signings. So, um, Personally, I think probably Wilfred Boney. For the fact he also looks like Chris Partlow from The Wire as well. OK. For me, you've, again, somebody who's not on the list, but I think the biggest difference to Everton, again, I'm just going to pick on Everton, is Gareth Barry. Yeah, OK. Um, Laura, what do you think? Expected one, I suppose, would be Jason Punchin because nobody expected a great deal from him, and he did make a big difference. He did well when he was on loan at Blackpool as well, didn't he? Do you remember when he was in the Premier League before? Mm. He, did. he did well at Southampton. The times I saw him play for them as well, you know, he's uh, just a bit inconsistent. He disappeared a lot of the time, but when he when he's on, he's a good player. Mm. The big thing I remember about Jason Punchin was him leaving the pitch to go and have a poo. Brilliant. Well, I'm going to vote for him then. <laughs> Uh, Emma? I came back and Mark was still rambling, so I felt, <laughs> I felt like I was all right. I hadn't missed anything. Did, did you just do a Jason Punchin, Emma? <laughs> no, definitely not. 
Um, signing of the year. <laughs> I don't know. I think if Lukaku, I mean, he was amazing at the start of the season. And I think maybe he gave Everton the momentum to sort of carry on and keep going. And so maybe, yeah, I probably would say Lukaku. Okay. So we've got two Jason Punchins and a, a Lukaku. What's, what, are you, what were you in there, Mark? I said Gareth Barry. You said Gareth Barry. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Jason Punchin's got two votes overall, so we'll, we'll stick with Jason Punchin. Flop of the year. Now, this is our last category. So um, we've got from Marion and Flaney, Ricky Van Walswinkle, just for the fact they scored on the first game of the season and sort of thought, oh, that's, well, that's it. That's enough for me. Uh, Jose Mourinho I put down really because they didn't win anything and he came back with such a fanfare and of course David Moyes I was half tempted to put Ricky Van Walswinkel in player of the year just for the fact that he did sort of score in the first game of the season and sort of you know that's enough for me I don't need to do anymore against Everton against Everton <laughs> yeah so he nearly went in player of the year so I felt a bit bad putting him in flop of the year but um, I think for myself I think it's um, David Moyes yeah I would agree just for the hilarity not hilarity um I think as much as this was when it when it all happened last year, it was the very obvious choice. I personally think mm. I think everyone knew it was going to be Moyes, but everyone also kind of hoped that they would that United would do something completely different. So as much as I think David Moyes was quite a liked person person in football before he went to United, everyone kind of wanted to see them sort of stumble and fall a little bit. Okay, Mark? Um, Well, nobody expected anything from United this year and they underachieved at that. So I think Moyes is the obvious one, um, but I I would go for Mourinho because um, he probably talked Chelsea out of at least winning one trophy with his little horse nonsense and putting down his strikers and then basically taking his usual act of being a total drama queen and all the rest of it, and then just turning it into something even more ridiculous, and he's making himself look stupid. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's got if he doesn't last next season at Chelsea. Mm. So I think I think Mourinho because I think there was something Chelsea could have won something this year, and I think he talked them out of it. Yeah, I mean Bramovich has fired people for less. Um, what do you think, Laura? Well, the Wolf's Winkle was terrible. He was. Um. But he was kind of an unknown quantity, really, so there wasn't much expectation on him. Fellaini, if he's a footballer, then I'm a monkey's uncle. Because he's just... Of all the players Moyes could have bought, Mm. he wouldn't have been in my top 100, let alone my first choice. Okay. Um... I feel a bit sorry for David Moyes. I really do. I think he was just kind of a, a patsy. That yeah, I do. I mean, if we're giving this award, it might make him feel a bit better. At least he's won <laughs> something. Being called flop of the year. <laughs> you should uh, you should name this after Pele, flop of the year. <laughs> That's floppy of the year, isn't it? <laughs> Anybody that Fulham signed in January. Yes, Matroglu. Yes, we could have gone for him, couldn't we? Mm. Well, he's made it to the World Cup, though. I wonder what went on there. I saw. I went to the playoff game between Greece and Romania for the World Cup in November, whatever it was, and he scored a couple of goals and he looked a hell of a player. But what happened to him? Mm. Has he been injured? He has been injured a lot. Maybe that was it. But yeah, yeah. yeah he looks like he looks. He's kind of built like he likes a few kebabs too many. <laughs> he's <laughs> like remember, the new Yeah, we're all getting there. Um, he's the Mido. Mido. Hmm. Uh, good comparison here. Yeah. So, what's on your? Uh, who's your flop then? Who are you talking to? You. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going with Fellaini because he's just woeful. Okay. So we've got two Moises, a Mourinho and a, and a Fellaini. So uh, with uh, Moyes on that one. So that's uh, Suarez and Yaya Torre, Player of the Year. Luke Shaw, Young Player of the Year. Sean Dyche, Manager of the Year. Um, Jack Wilshere, goal of the year. Uh, game of the year is uh, split between Liverpool, Man City and Crystal Palace. Liverpool signing the year is Jason Punchin. Who would have thought that? Um, and flop of the year is David Moyes. Anyone got a favourite moment this season? The the end of the Crystal Palace-Liverpool game, which I did turn over yeah. from Game of the Thrones specifically to watch. Yeah, bye Mark. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, is that everybody? Is it, is, it either, is it either Stephen Gerrard falling over or Luis Suarez crying? Everyone's moment of the year. <laughs> no, anything that Colo Torre did this season made me laugh. <laughs> okay, Emma. I don't know. Moment of the season is personally, it would have to be um, when um, Pompey appointed. Andy Orford as manager, just so I wasn't watching two teams go down to the conference. Just the one. <laughs> you can't ever get over someone, a, a fully grown man crying on a football pitch. I don't think, I think that'll, that'll always be funny. No matter who it is, that will always be funny. So all your personal favourites are to do with Liverpool failing? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Excellent. <laughs> Oh, all this rubbish about the neutrals want Liverpool the to win. neutral wants Liverpool to win. It's <laughs> bollocks. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. Well, on that um, Scouse hatred, that uh, brings us to the end of this week's Man on the Post extra time. Um, this, I think this could well be the last one of the season, and judging on those last few answers, could be the last one for some of these people on here as well. Um, I'd like to say thank you ever so much for all of you for listening this season and for anyone that's ever been on the pod this season as well Paul and Musa and Joe as well um, so thank you ever so much to Laura your, what's your Twitter handle if they want to follow you uh, it's at Yaisto Mark mine is at the football pink. All right, thank you for coming on uh, and thank you to Emma thank you very much and what's yours at MWebs. Or at MWebs. Okay. Um, hopefully we've got a Man on the Post 100th episode quiz coming up very shortly. Uh, so stay tuned to um, at Man on the Post Twitter feed for that one. You can rate and review us on iTunes as well. Um, every five-star review gets a fridge magnet sent from Collins Warehouse. Um, and thank you ever so much for listening. And all it remains for me to say is always remember to keep your Man on the Post. <laughs> <laughs>